Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. Uh, I want to start with some place I usually start with. Uh, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written down for our admonition upon who the ends of the ages has come. Follow it up with Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. <clears throat> so as we read through Judges and the trials and tribulations of Israel, the idea is to see <clears throat> what they did and how it applies to our life. Now, um, I have to thank Pastor Joe for this lead-in from Sunday. Uh, what is the application to today? Uh, he asked us on Sunday when he finishes Daniel, he wants to know the application for today. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a quiz. I don't know if he's going to pass out paper and pencil. But <clears throat> I heard an, uh, a verse from a song, a rock song from the 80s. <clears throat> and it goes, um, I can't make you feel. No, I can make you feel, but I can't make you think. And uh, I think that's, that's the point as we read through the Bible. Uh, it's not as... You know, Pastor Joe teaches on, uh, on Daniel with uh, Rack Shack and Benny. Um, excuse me. I took a trip with my grandson two years ago, and we had two DVDs in the car, and I heard the story 20 times. So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego will always be Rack Shack and Benny. And the idea is, <clears throat> oh, boy, that must have been terrible going into the furnace. How did they do it? It's more how do we use that? How do we bring ourselves to that point of faith that they had, that Daniel had, to go into the furnace. And I think that's the application is, how do we do that? How do we learn that? How do we come to that point where we have that faith that's unshakable? So that's what we're looking for, you know, as we study now Gideon. Um, he has the most verses in the book of Judges. He has 100. Um, Samson is a close second with 96. And uh, if, if Steve, you put up the chart. So, um, I read the first. So, chapter six, verse one. So the land had rest for forty years. So Sisera and Deborah had defeated the Canaanites. Uh, Barak and Deborah had defeated the Canaanites, and now the land had rest for forty years. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So we see from the chart, they've just had the, uh, the respite. Now they're, they've turned away from God. God's reaction is to chasten them. Uh, God hands over Israel to the oppression of their, her enemies. Israel cries out for repentance. God sends a deliverer, a judge, to rescue them. And, uh, and unfortunately, 
after that, we start all over. So chastening is evidence of God's hatred for sin and his love for his people. This is the fourth, fourth apostasy in the book of Judges. 40 years, after 40 years of peace after Deborah. The 40 years of rest following the defeat of Sisera eventually came to an end. In their prosperity and complacency, they again turned to other gods. Just want a, a quick um, reference to a verse in Job 15, verse 21. Dreadful sounds are in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer comes upon him. I think how many times or how many do we go through that same thing? We just went, it seems like everything is going right. We're riding high and then all of a sudden we fall. We, we go back to old ways. We get, uh, <clears throat> we get taken up in, in a sin that maybe was in the past. Um, and I think it's because we never really are away from sin. It's always going to be it's our nature. Um, Reference it to, you know, in, in you know years ago, um, when heroin addiction, and then they would uh, they would give them methadone, but it's still, it was still an addiction. It might not have been as bad, but it was still an addiction. They still hadn't overcome it and got away from having anything. So now, <clears throat> at this point in time, where two hundred years had passed since Joshua led the children of Israel in the conquest of the land. But because they failed to obey the Lord fully, because they failed to totally drive out the pagan people of Canaan, it, it's now, it's like a disease in remission. They have their rest, and then they get, again, they get complacent, and then all of a sudden the disease pops up, and they're, they're right back where they started from. Israel's sin, okay, uh, let me go back to chapter 6, verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves de the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountain, mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midians would come up, also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor oxen. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter into land and destroy it. And they mentioned camels here. I know in the uh, this is probably something new to Israel. That um, just like in, when the Canaanites and they mentioned the Sisera and his nine hundred chariots of iron, um, they didn't have faith that that God would. Would, would bring them to it, would, would bring them through it. Um, I want to reference here, because this, when he, the reference to locusts, uh, when chapter, uh, Pastor Vinny was teaching in the book of Joel, uh, verses 3 and 4, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling, lo the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming, consuming locust has eaten. So these are just recurring, the, these recurring 
oppression of Israel. And uh, again, it just references back. So now, uh, when, when they were going, when they built these dens and caves in the mountain, um, you got to understand when they, uh, if they're threshing the wheat, it's usually done on the top of a mountain because they use the wind, which separates the chaff from the grain. So now they're doing it in caves and stuff, so the, Midian, so the Midianites hopefully can't find them. Uh, so now, verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of, and out of the hand of all those who, who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose, hand you, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So now this, this prophet is unnamed. He's, he's, he's now, this is the time Israel has cried out. God has sent the prophet to them. But the prophet is not delivering them. The prophet is not there delivering them. <clears throat> the prophet is there to, uh, to remind them of their sin, to remind them of God's power. It would, it, would, it would be no big deal for God to defeat the Midianites. That wasn't the issue. What God wanted, God wanted to remind them that they were the problem. When they cried out to God, they didn't realize that they were, they were the problem. They were, <clears throat> they were using, uh, in, instead of using prayer as their first resource, they were using it as their last resort. And again, when they, when they cried out, they didn't realize they were the problem. This, this reminded them of the love and power of God. Again, it was no big deal for God to vanquish the, Mid the Midianites. They had to repent to understand their sin. I Israel's sin made all their hard work profitless. Sin, sin does this. It robs us of what we work hard to gain. So now verse 11 <clears throat> now an angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now based upon Gideon's response later on, uh, he might have thought that somebody was standing behind him and that's who the angel, the angel of the Lord was talking to. But the Lord, um, verse 13, Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, this is Gideon's first question. Does God really care about us? 
and again, uh, you know, at this point, um, they, they forget. God always forgives. It, grace, His long suffering. Um, I'm just going to use an example. <clears throat> in the in the Supreme Court of Heaven, when uh, when they call your docket, and then uh, the prosecutor goes to list your offenses, if you if you have received Jesus and He is your Lord and Savior and, and you become a true believer, well, that docket is going to be blank. And the judge is going to say, well, why are you bringing this guy here? He's saved. Let's move on to somebody, to somebody who's not. So that's, that's what we look forward to, to, to that time when, when we know, our, we, know we, we are saved and, uh, and again, we, we are forgiven. doesn't mean that we're not going to sin anymore because unfortunately... Since Adam, that is the sin nature, is what, what we come to expect. But at least <clears throat> we know that once we accept Jesus, that we, that we can be forgiven and we will be, uh, again, we just, he, he will welcome us into heaven. Now, now verse 14. Then, now, this is um, a Christophany. This is a, uh, an appearance of, of Jesus in the, in the Old Testament, just as he did to Abraham before his incarnation in, uh, in the New Testament. Um, at this point, I, it doesn't appear that, <clears throat> that Gideon realizes it, but we'll see later on how that changes. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, we're going to see, when he says the least in his father's house, we're going to see maybe that's not exactly true, but, but again, he appears to be... <clears throat> uh, as Barak was with uh, in Deborah's time, he appears to be reluctant. <clears throat> Read a, something from Charles Spurgeon. In her extremity, the guilty nation began to cry to Jehovah, her God, and the answer was not long delayed. An angel came to Gideon and announced to him that the Lord had delivered Midian into his hands and that he should that he should smite them as one man. Gideon was a man of great faith. His name shines among the heroes of great faith in the 11th chapter of the epistle to the Hebrews. And you will, I will do well if we attain the same rank in the peerage of faith as he did. But for all that, the best of men are men at best. And men of strong faith are often men of strong conflicts. And so it was with Gideon. This man's great faith and great weakness of faith both showed themselves in his desire for signs. Once, assure, once assured him that God was with him, and Gideon has no fear but hastens to the battle, the bravest of the brave. And I, <clears throat> I think that, again, we're going to see that again, um, that the best of men, are they're still men. And I think we have to keep that in mind. 
So continuing in verse 16. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Again, this is his, his weakness. He, and I, I think men of uh, a strong faith, sometimes when God wants you to do something or you feel God's calling upon you, it can be a lonely place. Um, just like I can imagine uh, Noah when he built in the ark. I mean, he, all the faith that he put in God, that, that, God, that this is what God wanted, and I can't imagine the ridicule that he must have gone through from all his neighbors and such. Again, we don't, we don't know uh, how we're going to deal with it when the time comes. But again, it can be a very lonely place, especially if you're out there by yourself. And again, you're just trusting upon the Lord. And I think we have to learn to do that more, to trust upon the Lord when, when we feel his calling. So, <clears throat> so now verse 17 Oh, there's a, so do not, depart, do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So the Lord was patient because obviously if he's going out to prepare an offering, it's going to take a little time. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And a fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So at this point... Uh, we'll see that Gideon now is aware of, of what had just happened and who he, who he had been talking with. So now, the appearance of fire and disappearance of, of the Lord has convinced him he was the Lord. Now Gideon perceived, verse 22, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, <clears throat> then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So at that, at that point, I mean, Gideon was, because we know um, that even Moses, when God passed through the mountain, he had to turn his back because no one can see the face of God and live. So, he, so writing, again, he's doubting. Uh, even though the Lord said to him he was going to be with you to slay the Midianites. He still had this little pang of doubt. So verse 24, So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still an opera of the Abyssalites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal your, that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement 
and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So obviously his house <clears throat> was uh, involved in the worship of Baal and uh, the altar of uh, and this other grove that he, he wanted to cut down, that was um, an, an uh, altar for uh, Ashtoreth. So we know Baal was the god of weather, which is really important to an agricultural society. And take your father's uh, young bull, which is, uh, which is kind of like, take your father's Lexus and sacrifice it. I mean, this, in this time when they were impoverished, I mean, now we, he's already sacrificed a, a kid and flower, so now he's taken, <clears throat> you know, these two bulls from his father's flock. Um, so this is, this is a big sacrifice for them, especially being that their sustenance was, uh, you know, was being taken by the Midianites. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So first of all, when he said he was the least in his, in his family, well, he still had 10 servants. So maybe he wasn't the least least. And uh, again, he did, it by, he did it by night. So again, there's still a little, a little tinge of uneasiness, a tinge of uh, uncertainty about what he was doing. Um, and maybe not 100% trust in the Lord, but he still did it. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, and when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. So <clears throat> somebody in his little troop dropped a dime on him. Uh, but again, this is, this is all God's work. This is, God has it all worked out. Uh, he has torn down. But Joash said to all those who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself. Now, uh, if we turn to, this is, uh, the, I don't know what the term, the pot calling the kettle black when they wanted to, to, to put him to death. Because in uh, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 13, verse six to 10, uh, if your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your brother or your friend, who is your own soul, who is as your own soul, secretly entices you, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor, you sh nor shall you I pity on him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, 
and afterward the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies. Because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So this is a, a strange turn of events. Here, they were supposed, they were the ones that were supposed to be, uh, they were the ones that were supposed to be put to death for, <clears throat> for turning away from God, for turning away from the one God. So, and in this <clears throat> example here, uh, obviously Gideon's house, uh, maybe they were splitting their worship between Baal and Jehovah, but God couldn't use him until he cleaned out his house, uh, until, until that happened. Uh, just, we had sort of the example in, uh, in chapter four when uh, Sisera went into the house of Jael and uh, she put the nail through his head. Uh, it's a matter of, you know, God can't use you if, you're, if your house is uh, not in order. That's what he wants. He wants your house to be in order, and then, then he will use you mightily. Now, Joash uh, obviously has a turning here because he seems to be the keeper of the, uh, the altar of Baal, but again, in verse 31, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him to be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Um, now, obviously, we know that <clears throat> that wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think we saw Elijah when uh, he was against the, the, the Baal worshipers, and uh, he challenged them, and God did a mighty thing. He bring down fire on this altar, um, they did everything but put lighter flu on it, and uh, he had his, it was soaked, and yet God sent the lightning down and, and uh, fire sprung up from it. Um, so now, <clears throat> verse 32, therefore on that day he called him Jerubabel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down the altar. Another excerpt from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, when we're talking about, he's talking about when we ask for signs. He began with this, he began with this ill beginning colored his whole career. I have known many persons like this son of Joash. They say, let me know that God is with me and my fear is gone. But their repeated question is, is the Lord with me? Is Jesus mine? Am I his? Let me but know that I am a true believer and I am sure I shall not perish for God will not forsake his own. But then, am I a believer? Have I the marks and evidence, evidences of a child of God? Hence the practice of severe self-examination and therefore also the weakening habit of craving for tokens and feelings how many are crying? We see not our signs when they ought to say, but we see Jesus. How many are praying, show me a token for good when the Lord Jesus has given himself to them and has thereby given the best token of his grace. Um, this is where I'm gonna end it, verse 32, because I think that the, uh, 
the following verses go with chapter 7. Obviously, when this was written, there was no, uh, no, no page breaks, no delineations, and the closing prayer. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.